And now the show that's all about real estate and a little bit about everything else. Hosted by two guys that are too embarrassed to admit in public how long they've been investing in real estate. It is the Investor Guys podcast with host Bill Barnett and Kevin Mills. Welcome to another cliffhanging edition of the Investor Guys <laughs> podcast. That gentleman saluting you and saying hello is Bill Barnett. I'm Kevin Mills. And today we're going to flip the script a little bit. We've been talking about hot markets and we've been talking about how mar- hot markets translate into opportunity, opportunity for us as investors. And we've really been focusing on numbers, residential numbers. Um, And there's a segment that we haven't mentioned that is still going to be affected by those residential numbers. And if it's a segment that we're focusing on, and I'm going to tell you what that is in a second, if it's a segment we're focusing on, we can look at that data, that residential data, and we can know that we are going to have potential for this particular segment. Now, if you haven't guessed already, Bill knows what it is, but if you haven't guessed already what it is, Bill, tell them what we're talking about. Well, we're talking about commercial and how all of the, in certain markets, specifically in Florida and Texas and and other markets as well, but mainly in these two at the moment, because of the massive amount of population growth that we've had uh, and continue to have and will continue to have as long as insanity reigns in the blue states. And that doesn't appear to be changing anytime soon. Uh, So people are fleeing those restrictive totalitarian states to go in to go like, oh yeah, I remember what living in America used to be like. It's what living in Florida is like. It's what living in Texas is like. So we're getting this massive amount of people coming in. And with that, commercial property gets affected. We've all been focused on residential for the last, oh, probably 20 shows, but commercial gets hit big time Uh, when that comes in. So let's talk about some of the commercial opportunities that come our way when these markets get hot like they are. So one of the things most obviously is when we have more people, we have more demand on services like our grocery stores, our hair salons, our nail salons, restaurants, things like that. So existing commercial ventures in each one of these cities, they're going to expand in order to accommodate this extra business that's coming in. And I, I'm seeing that happen here in, in, in South Florida. I'm sure Bill is seeing it happen in Central Texas as well. The flip side of that coin though, the obvious thing that we can look at is all of these people moving into these markets. A lot of them are bringing businesses with them. When I left California, I brought my businesses with me to Florida. Uh, A lot of these people have sideline businesses that are growing that maybe don't need a space. Maybe they've been operating out of their garage where they are. But part of their dream is, is, you know what? I can sell my house in Brooklyn and buy a house and rent a space for my business and grow my business if I move to South Florida or move to Central Texas because it's more affordable. So we've got this influx of people coming in that are grabbing up commercial properties, whether it's to rent or whether it's to own or whether it's to uh, whatever, you know, invest in. Uh, So we look at these numbers when we see growth, okay, it's not just growth residentially, it is growth across the board. Now, this doesn't just translate for markets like Texas and Florida. We're seeing, we talked about Akron, Canton, Cleveland, Youngstown. We talked about some other areas. We talked about, uh, what was it, Buffalo. 
Yeah, when you've got a strong real estate market, when you have rents going up on your residential properties, lockstep, you're going to have rents going up on your commercial properties as well. Typically, we see a six month to a year lag in that just because commercial leases are a lot longer than residential leases. But if you're seeing residential leases going up in value, and you're seeing residential properties going up in value, you're going to see the same thing happen with commercial properties. Now we're up on a break. And, and I have to Put some air on because I am melting. It's in the 80s here this morning. Um, we'll be back in a minute. We're back. And today we're talking about commercial properties and how they improve in value uh, as far as whether you're an investor, you own commercial property already, or if you're looking for an investment, um, one of the things that we want to do is try to get ahead of that curve. Remember, I said that usually there's a delay in those, those rents, there's a delay in yep. that value. Uh, if we see a residential market starting to get hot and it looks like it's going to be hot for a while, that's time for us to jump in and get those commercial properties because we know those commercial properties are going to go up in value. Uh, what are some of, the, some of the properties that you would look at, Bill? For commercial well, the first thing, let's get, it off, let's get this one off the table because it's probably where most people are jumping to already. Obviously, apartment buildings are going to be impacted by that. We're going a, a different direction this yes. morning. So for all of you that are thinking, well, rental property from apartments or single family rentals, yes, that's correct. But now that kind of falls under residential. Yeah. And that's so going to keep let's move with on the to, to the other. One of the most um, prominent things that can happen when you have a big influx of people is your storage facility. Self-storage uh, is terrific when you start having this kind of influx and there's such a demand for it. I'm up the street from me and I, I live in a bedroom community of Fort Worth. Um, up the street is a massive, and I, it's one of the biggest that I've ever seen around Dallas, Fort Worth, a self-storage facility. And then about six months ago, two others started, uh, not expansions, two new facilities started one across one side, they're on a corner, the big one, one across one street and on the other side across the other street, another one started. And I'm like, oh my gosh, God. But what's happening is south of me, and I, I don't mean like miles and miles and miles, I mean literally across the street south of me, four miles and miles and miles, they're building houses as fast as they possibly can. So whenever you have that influx of people, self-storage is going to be a great thing to look at because there's going to be increased demand on that right off the bat. So for a new investor who is just jumping into commercial, okay, storage facilities may be a little overwhelming. So let's talk about if you're a new investor, let, let's, and let, let's grow from there. New investor, okay, getting your feet wet for commercial. Um, my, my recommendation, my, my thing, and we'll get bills here in a second is look for something small, like a three, four, five, six unit strip mall that you can get into. Mm -hmm. Um, ideally, and, and you will find strip malls that are for sale that have tenants in them. Okay. Ideally, you've already got tenants in at least 50%, if not more of that strip mall. You can typically get into a strip mall for about the same price you would get into a larger apartment home. <clears throat> you can finance a strip mall entirely differently than you can a residential property because they look at it very much as a business. So you're not putting 
20% down on the real estate asset. You're putting a percentage down and you're showing the values that are already coming in as far as your rents. And keep in mind that your existing rents count as income for you for your loan. So if your existing rents are going to, to show the lender or whoever's investing in your, pro in your project that you're going to be able to pay them back plus your expenses and make a profit because nobody wants to do this and not make a profit, okay? So they wanna see that you're making a profit also. If they can see that, then they're on board. They're gonna sign that check to you. It is, it is so much easier to see. It is so much easier to find five tenants than it is to find 20 tenants or to find 30 tenants. The other thing is, is as we mentioned earlier, most commercial tenants are signing three-year leases, six-year leases, seven-year leases, 10-year yeah. leases. Uh, some are signing, yeah. yeah, even longer term leases. A lot of times you drive by a Home Depot or a Lowe's or something like that. That that building's been there for 20 years and it's been a Lowe's. Yeah. Lowe's may not own that building. They may be leasing that building on a long-term lease, or they may be even mm -hmm. building or leasing the land that that building is on, and they built the land. We'll talk about that some other day. Um, your recommendation, Bill. Yeah, so uh, I want to throw something point. out on uh dovetailing under that, and that is this. When you're buying a strip mall, great ownership opportunity. If you don't have great experience in running and leasing that facility, the lender is gonna look at that immediately and that's gonna be a drawback for them. So how do you overcome that? You get a management company, just like we tell you on your rental properties, whether it be single family or multifamily, have a professional management company handling that so that it's not bugging you all the time. Well, now we get into a different phase of that. The phase we get into now is it's a completely different animal handling this commercial property. Now I wanna have that commercial property manager handling that property so that when the lender is looking at me, they're not going, well, I wonder if Bill can keep it full. I wonder if Bill knows what to do because he doesn't have a background in owning these properties and operating these properties. And it's a completely different loan process when they look at it and they say, well, Kev, who you got managing this? And you go, well, you know what? Uh, we've got ABC management um, here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And here's some information on them. And they're going to come in and manage the property uh, or maybe they're in place already but that changes the game. So they're not worried about, okay, I, I don't have to know if Bill or Kevin has all of this experience in, in commercial or not, because they're really coming in as the owners, not the operator. That's really gonna be handled by the management company. And it makes us as a borrower much easier for them to accept. So um, I love the, the strip, the small strip mall. Now you may have to get out a little bit, to be able to get the smaller properties like that. Uh, also, I, I like looking at it. In fact, I'm doing this right now for a client of mine. Uh, we are looking for things like grocery stores and old Kmart buildings, the, those large single space buildings to be able to go in and either convert to uh, a church, a data center, or um, so coming in and, and saying self-storage, yeah, right there. So, um, and it really depends on what the demand is for the area, but you've got so much of that that happens from time to time that you look at, um, 
I don't, I don't know if they're still in business or not, but for a long time, we had a, a chain here, national chain called Food Lion. They had a, a big scandal uh, in Texas many years ago where they were, they were caught uh, painting their chicken uh, so that they could sell it longer. And some people got sick and boy, it made big news here. And all the food lines in Texas closed. They, they just, they were taking a beating and the company just said, we're, we're out of Texas. And so there was this, I don't know, they had 50 stores or something in Texas, whatever it was. And so there was a great opportunity there. Same type of opportunity happened when Kmart shut down. Same type of opportunity happened a little differently with Sears because many of the Sears were uh, in malls, but there was some opportunity uh, for the freestanding uh, Sears locations. But you're always looking at, and this is what you and I try to teach people all the time. When you see a piece of real estate, whether it's a commercial building, whether it's an empty lot, whether it's a single family house or a multifamily, when you see a piece of real estate and that real estate is vacant for whatever reason, think about what opportunity does that present? And then start looking at, is it possible for me to be able to go in and, and control, either buy or control? Uh, because many times, uh, and I'll, I'll give you uh, Carl Sedlak, who has uh, been a, a client for, oh gosh, uh, as long as far back as when you and I met, because I met when uh, you and I met in LA, not long or not be long before either way, uh, I was down in San Diego teaching and met Carl. So Carl loved nothing but commercial. We did that right off the bat. That's all he's done. One of the buildings that we bought, now this is an incredible story. Where are we time-wise? Let's go ahead and take a break because we're up, we're past okay. our time, but we can talk about the story on our last break. Last section. We are back and, and Bill was just getting started on a story on the last segment, but I wanted to, to jump in really quick because Bill brought up a few great points uh, on, on the last segment. First off, if you're buying a, a strip mall and there is already management in place and management is not the reason why you are buying that strip mall, like it's because they didn't fail or anything else, keep that management on. And that's going to make your presentation much, much greater because they have a history and they can also show numbers going back if your investor is asking for it. Uh, so absolutely keep, keep that in place. The other thing you want to keep in mind is we're not buying these properties to operate these properties. If we're buying these properties to operate these properties, we are not getting the most out of our time, which means we're not getting the most out of our money. We should be buying these as an asset, a performing asset that we can put into our portfolio that is going to take care of itself without our having to pay attention to it, okay? We wanna place it in that portfolio and forget about it. Check those numbers monthly, check those numbers quarterly if, if, it's, if it's been doing well and make sure that that's performing the way it is. We are investors, we are not landlords, we are not property managers, we are investors. We invest in assets and we need to look at it like that exactly. We put it into our portfolio, it's a performing asset or it's not a performing asset. If it's not a performing asset, we figure out why it's not a performing asset. If we can't make it a performing asset, then we get rid of it. And the last but not least on the Sears topic that uh, Bill had brought up, uh, a lot of times you find those, those freestanding Sears, they also have a service center that is closed down. Mm -hmm. Those would be yep. perfect to purchase and lease out to a Firestone or a Goodyear or a Perfect Auto or a uh, America's Tire Store or anything else. And those are easily severed from the other property if they are already part of the property. Typically, they have two different addresses. Now, I'm sorry, Bill, I'll take up your time, but let me hear that. Oh, that's 
Absolutely right. So there, there's two quickies I want to try to jam in here. First one is um, up in Cleveland, one of my clients years ago called me and he goes, hey, I know this is kind of weird. I'm not sure what I can do with it. Just kind of seeing the one of the railroads is selling a piece of property. And it, I don't understand why they're selling it so cheap. It's $15,000, but it's 10 acres. And I'm like, all right, so tell me about it. He goes, well, I don't know what you can do with it because it's paid. Well, what they had was a contract with General Motors and they were coming in, they were railing the cars there, offloading them off the railroad cars onto this giant acreage, paved acreage. And then they were loading them on the, the rolling transports, the rolling parking lots, as we call them. And then those were, trucks were leaving out to deliver the cars to the dealerships. So I said, well, that's a great price. And he goes, yeah, but I'm really nervous about it. I'm like, what? And he goes, I think I can figure out something to do with it. I'm just really concerned about why in the world they would be selling it so cheap. And I said, well, take a deep breath. They're selling it so cheap because they want the liability off of their books. They're not using it anymore. Now, what if a kid gets in there, breaks onto the property, um, and he's got a motorcycle, and he's doing donuts, and he, he uh, wrecks his motorcycle, breaks his neck, is paralyzed. Who do you think is going to get sued? The railroad's going to get sued. They're going to get sued for a massive amount of money. So commercial entities look at how can I offload this liability? Uh, and so he bought it for $15,000. It was a stupid number from his standpoint, but not from their standpoint. And then uh, what he ended up doing with it is uh, fencing off a, about an acre and turned that into RV storage. Uh, and then I heard later on, they actually ended up going in and, and building some self-storage on it as well. But initially to get cash flow going, he put boat and RV storage uh, up, uh, put very little money into it. He had less than 100,000 into it with lighting, with fencing, had uh, some security there. Uh, and they moved very quickly. So that's one story. Uh, and I'll tell you real, key point, real, real quick on that too. We're, we're going to go along in this segment. It doesn't matter. Um, if, you're, if you've got a lot and it's a good location, don't let pavement scare you off, okay? Um, yep. A lot of times people who don't understand, they're like, oh, it's paved. It has to stay paved. It doesn't have to stay paved. It's not a big deal to get jackhammers out there, break all that stuff up and build a building on there. You know, dig into that dirt and put a foundation and put a building there. If you've got a good location, Again, location specific. It was probably a perfect spot next to the railroad tracks, as he was next to the railroad tracks. Perfect spot for self storage, you know, because no one's going to complain about the noise. No one's going to complain about yep. you know the trains or anything else. But don't let little things deter you because you 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 don't understand them. So pavement, not a big deal. Uh, a building that fell down, not a big deal. You get a permit and have it cleared out and and, and cart it off to the dump. Uh, sorry, Bill. <laughs> All right, so the other building, the Carl building, as we'll call it. So um, Carl had already done uh, a property in West Virginia that uh, just was a smashing over. made about three and a half million dollars net on it. And this was easily 10 years ago. Uh, so the next year he called me and he goes, I'm looking at a property in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And it was a, a property Pfizer was, which is funny since they've been uh, in the news forever uh, since COVID hit, they were purchased by a European uh, conglomerate. And so they started um, consolidating locations in the U.S. because they had locations already. 
Now, some of these locations overlap. This was a building that there was overlap in. And so they decided they had it for sale traditionally for over a year, no interest whatsoever. It was 150 something thousand feet, three story office building, really gorgeous, gorgeous. Was not a very old building at all. Incredibly well kept and just vacant. So they decided to put it up for auction. They ran an auction advertising program. When they auctioned it, so Carl and I agreed, we looked at all the numbers, we looked at everything, and we said, all right, here's a number that we would be willing to go. We would be willing to go up to about 1.5 on the building. He gets there. I, I was tied up, was not able to actually go to the auction with him. He gets there, and he calls me, and, and uh, we're on the phone almost the whole day. Uh, he calls me, he goes, uh, wow, this is kind of weird. Uh, I beat everybody here, but the auctioneer. And I went, well, it may not be weird. You may be the only one there. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. So like an hour later, he calls me, he goes, I'm the only one here. And this was an absolute auction. What an absolute auction is, is when they advertise that, whatever they get is whatever they get. If you ever watch the, the car auction shows, they say no reserve. That's what an absolute auction is. They said no reserve deal. Uh, and so this was an absolute auction and it was a sealed bid auction and they had nobody. And so the auctioneer is on the phone with the company going to what do we do? And he, they're like, I'm assuming this is what they said, something along the lines of this is an absolute auction, sell the building. And so he formally goes through the process, calls the auction to order and says, are you, have you registered as a bidder? Yes, I have. What's your bid number? Are you bidding? Yes, I have. Do you have your sealed bid? And we had talked about this one and a half number. So he called me back uh, right before the auction started. He goes, if I'm the only one here and it's an absolute auction, can we do something stupid? I'm like, no, we can do something brilliant. Can't do anything stupid. And he said, I'm thinking about changing the number. I'm like, heck yeah, change the number. You're the only one there. Okay. Make it whatever you want to make it $10,000. And he's like, well, they wouldn't do that. I'm like, Carl, it's an absolute auction. Now, they've got a problem legally because they've been advertising it this way. If they change their mind now, say, well, we didn't get enough money, so we're not doing that. That's not an absolute auction. And you'd likely get some damages from them uh, very easily if they did that. So I'm just going to say, uh, because we had to sign a non-disclosure agreement after the property was purchased, that we would not disclose the pricing. The number that I mentioned was way too high. The second lower number that I mentioned that we might do something stupid by making that offer, that was exponentially too high. He did something bold and I was like, holy cow. And he was the only one there and bought the property. Why were they doing that? Why would they consider? They tried to go the traditional route, didn't work for them. Same thing, they wanted to offload liability and we find out that it's about $60,000 a month between maintenance and insurance and property taxes. Um, and he's like, okay, as long as we get this thing done in the next 12 months, meaning we get it filled in the next 12 months, I'm good. We get past 12 months, I'm broke. And I'm like, no, dude, let's do. So what he put together was a marketing campaign 
where he went to, and I'm going to go back to the West Virginia property. We didn't get into what that is. I'm just going to tell you the marketing thing that made the West Virginia property a home run for him. He went to the Economic Development Board for the state. I've got this building. I've got it at a great price. And what I want to do is entice people, companies to come in. I don't want to lease it to somebody that's already here. I want to entice new business here. And the government, the state said, this is fabulous. And they helped him market that and endorsed him. The governor endorsed him. So how much prestige do you think you have when you go into a prospective buyer and you've got the state on your side telling this uh, and renter, not buyer, telling this prospective renter, hey, come to West Virginia. We love Carl, blah, blah, blah. And that's not what they said, but they were like, these are the kind of people that we have here enticing new business in. So he did the same thing. In fact, he called back to the Economic Development Board in West Virginia. Like many states, they knew the people that were in Michigan and called and they fell over backwards to help him. How he filled the building was we put together a campaign uh, around the country for people that have massive space, that those are likely people that would need more space and offered them 50% off of the market rate. And it took about six months and that building was full and he leased it a floor at a time. It ended up with three tenants, each having a floor, each had 50 to 60,000 square feet, uh, long-term tenants. So, uh, and he said, Bill, this is my retirement fund. I'm not worried about retiring. I have enough money to retire. This building is my retirement fund. It was basically a gift. Um, so there you go. Yeah. But you know what? He had the balls to move forward on it. That's the thing. So yeah. And that's really what it, what it takes for, for any of this is for yeah. you to have just the initiative the stones, to go forward. If you guys are looking for, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but if you guys are looking for another interesting story, just like this to back this up, um, Google the story of the old Motorola offices, the old Motorola corporate offices, huge facility sold at auction for like $10,000 because nobody showed up for the auction. Yep. Um, building in perfect condition, wasn't run down, no broken glass, no broken windows, had, had sculptures and stuff inside of the building. Um, sold for, for again, Google it, look it up. Uh, these stories are out there and they're not anomalies. I mean, Bill and I could, could fill a book with just crazy stories of, I had, I had a lady give me a house because she thought it was haunted. Um, it just all kinds of crazy stories that you're going to run into yep. if you put yourself out there. And that's all that's all it takes. Now we're way over on time. Thank you for staying with us for so long. Thanks for being with us. Forward to seeing you guys back here on Tuesday. Um, I'll probably do uh, Tuesday from the road. Um, but excellent. We'll That'll guys, be a hoot. Uh, we'll see you guys here in uh, in a few days. Have a great one. Happy investing. Learn more about the Investor Guys podcast, including upcoming events and appearances at www.investorguyspodcast.com. That's www.investorguyspodcast.com.